So what are you drinking, man? I am drinking Triple Crossing Green Dreams again because I had a bunch of it and it's delicious. It is delicious. I know you're a big fan of Triple Crossing. I really am. What are you drinking, Corey? I'm drinking the Vanilla Cocoa Nibbed Horn Swaggler. From the Vale? From the Vale. And it is absolutely to die for. Mm. (coughs) This name, man. What what do you got, Jake? Licking Hole Creek. Yes. Yep. Yeah, boy. And IPA. Yep. Nine mile. It's where nine the... miles of hole licking. Yes. It's, <laughs> it's where the deers go to. Yikes. Lick. Yeah. Well, anyway. And the best part is the fact that licking hole is in Gooch land. It is. <laughs> well, the Gooch is loop. Yes. I remember uh, bringing home my roommate at the time, uh, Justin Stonehouse, to uh, to Virginia for the first time and. We're coming down 288, and he, like, almost fell out the car window trying to turn around to look at the sign that said Goochland. Gooch and he was yeah. like, did that Did that sign say Goochland? Like, sure did. Welcome to the South. That's, that's a thing that exists. Yep. That's oh, a man. thing that somebody had no shame about. That's nope. right. God bless you. So, tonight, it's, I'm Jordan. I'm Corey. I'm Steve. Jacob. And, yeah, so... Pierce couldn't make it tonight. Um, he is hanging out with his lovely cheerings. R.I.P. I'm just kidding. What? <laughs> Pierce is not there. Oh my god. That would imply his children are his, his lovely children, R.I.P. I've gathered you oh all god. here to give you some terrible, terrible news. God. Yikes. <laughs> no, thankfully, Pierce is, as far as I know, well and truly I, I certainly last, so. last I saw him, he appeared to be alive and well. Alive yeah. and well. Or Did, didn't alive. we make that same joke about somebody last time? Like, probably. Somebody said, like, this person did this blah, blah, blah. And I went, said their, that name, R.I.P. It may have been Billy. Or Mitchell. Or, oh, that's what it was. It was it's, Mitchell. It's an old joke. Yeah. You'll you'll learn that uh, I'm full of old jokes. No, I, I, love, I love the joke. It's just... Uh, it was oddly tied. Well, well, I was about his children. I was going to. I meant to. I meant to slide it in there about Pierce, and uh, you said the thing about his kids, and I already had the joke in the chamber, and uh, figured out. You went off half. I wasn't gonna. Yeah, I wasn't gonna waste that shot. So here it comes. R.I.P. Pierce's children. Oh God. Sorry, Pierce. Uh, if you start this out with dead kid jokes. So, <laughs> it's fine. I, I mean, it's all uphill from here. Right? You just set, the, set the bar low and then dig, dig your way out. You, you don't... You got a point. Yeah. It is all up here, uphill from here. Yeah, there we go. That's right. that's what I'm here for. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so, what... Uh, what since we did our car histories in the the first episode, which may or may not ever be released, because Pierce talked for an hour and a half. Love you, uh, love you. Um, R.I.P. Yeah. <laughs> we killed him for his what, car uh, stuff. Steve, let's start. Let's start with you. What 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 is your like? What got you into cars, and what God. what is your interesting or not interesting car ownership? Well, um, I'll try to keep it a little briefer than. The stories I've heard about Pierce. Uh, <laughs> I think what got me into cars was probably my dad's interesting car history before I came along. So unfortunately, by the time my parents had kids, uh, all the interesting vehicles were gone for the most part. Um, 
I think my mom had an interesting like 85 Celica for a minute oh, after cool. I was born. Mm-hmm. Celica wagon, maybe? Yeah, I want to say a hatchback. Could, could have been a hatchback. But uh, no, my dad's first, first car was a 67 Mustang Coupe. Uh, had the straight six. That's a not cool a V8, first car. But so. it was, yeah, uh, burgundy with the vinyl covered nice. hard top. Nice. And then uh, after that, the first car I think that he bought himself was a Triumph Spitfire. Hell so yeah. Obviously, I come by my interest in Miatas. Uh, there you go. Genetically. That's good. Sm- small roadsters. You just like roadsters that work. Uh, yes. Yeah, I kind <laughs> of. He, he openly admitted when I got into Miatas that it was. Uh, it was like all the joy of the Spitfire with a lot more reliability. Right. Um, and then he had a pretty slick, I don't want to get it wrong, 260Z, I think, 77 maybe. Yeah, so he was with rolling a, through the gambit of cool, yeah, cool sports cars with in the an 70s. Abarth over under dual tip exhaust. So the oh, tips were yeah. stacked mm-hmm. vertically, oh. which was a style for a minute in the late yeah. 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, mm-hmm. I've seen pictures of all these cars. He's told many great stories about them. And uh, so I, I got into cars young, had die cast models and posters on the wall and neighbor kid who loved cars and all of that. Um, and then I got into Japanese cars in particular, really full force in high school. Buddy of mine had two '94 Miatas back to back, and that was when in high like, school uh, he bought the first one. Right at the well, he had a '90 Chevy Caprice. Oh boy! Yeah, mm. Automagic one wheel wonder. Did it have uh, the the wood paneling on the sides? No, it was a remaindered stripped down cop car. Okay, it was a. Uh, what year was that thing? A 90, I think. Mm-hmm. Chevy Caprice. Big old boxy. Had a bench seat across the front. Hilarious to slide around in the snow or rain. Um, so we got into hooning cars with that thing. And then he went from a 90 Chevy Caprice to a 94 Mazda Miata. That's a pretty... It's like a, a hard left turn. Yeah. And uh, that's when I was just getting into, like, learning how to drive stick. Getting into, you know, the idea of performance driving mm-hmm. and fun cars. And that's where I really got bit with the uh, 90s Japanese car. There bug. you go. Uh, my first car was a 90 Honda Accord LX. Four-door burgundy with uh, tan and black interior. Had those... Uh, yep. Those... Uh, oh, the automatic Righteous, seat belts. yeah. Uh, automatic seat belts. My which, I had those. I kind of loved those because my dad had a 90 Civic that he bought brand new in 1990 had it for 10 years so that was like car mm. of my childhood mm-hmm. uh which had those automatic shoulder belts in the front so it was kind of a neat throwback to that uh i never technically owned the accord myself but it was a five speed so mm. that was fun to like daily uh stick shift car and then the first car i bought with my own money was a 91 mr2 so that was my uh you know, my poor man's NSX, because the NSX has always been dream car status for me. Yeah. And uh, bought that. It was an automatic, but it was a car that I could afford with my own money. I think I paid three grand for it at the time, and that would have been 2006 or seven that I bought it. And it had, I don't know, maybe 120,000 miles on it or something. 5S automatic. But it was mine, and it was orange, my favorite color. 
dude had had it Mako painted mm-hmm. like creamsicle orange <laughs> nice. almost, nice. and uh, definitely stood out at car meets in the row of MR twos. It was obvious to spot mine among mm-hmm. all the white and red ones, and that was the car I first uh, started. You know, besides working on my buddy's Miatas that he had, the first one got totaled. Second one he bought just to replace it, and uh, we just dove headfirst into learning how to work on stuff. Like, got a Haynes manual and a bag full of tools, and we were just like, we can figure out brakes, let's do brakes. We can figure out, you know, spark plugs and now a timing belt job. Let's just it's read just the Haynes manual. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts and bolts. Take it apart, put it back together the way it was, and it'll run. So and did you buy all six tools required to work on a Miata? Uh, I, he actually, I think he owned all six, yeah. Uh, what is it, 10, 12, 14, 17, maybe a 19 to take the wheels off and a Phillips head screwdriver? Something like that, yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> a bad That's about right. like the entire list. That's about right. So, uh, It's interesting, I'm going to interrupt you for just a second. Yeah, it's definitely. interesting that you say, um, you know, you, you got your start kind of from your dad at least having some sort of interesting vehicles because yeah. we went around the room last time and literally mentioned the fact that none of our parents were into cars oh. at all. Huh. But somehow we ended up in this. My, um, my dad had a little bit of an interesting history, but not... He just had like a Ford Grand Torino or something when he was in high school. Mm-hmm. And then when well, I was... Well, that's because like you, that was what you had. Like, yeah, there weren't it wasn't, other cars. It was, I mean, it wasn't interesting then. It's kind of interesting now, but it wasn't anything special back then. It's like my mom, my mom learned to drive stick on a baby blue GTO mm-hmm. like with a white convertible top. But it's like, that's just what it yeah. was. What, what there was, you know? It's like... So. Mm-hmm. My dad used to ride motorcycles, and that's about as interesting as it got. Gotcha. So a little bit of mechanical inclination, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe, because I feel like, especially back in the day, you couldn't ride a motorcycle unless you uh, knew how to work on mm-hmm. it. Yep, they pretty much so. They didn't go very long without needing repair. Yeah, that's probably, yeah. probably true. But uh, So I had that MR2. Um, I was very excited to clear out all the money I owned and pay for that myself, paid for insurance, like that was my car. Mm-hmm. And uh, that went out to Wyoming to automotive tech school with me in 07. I didn't know you went to tech school. I did. I went to Wyotech in Laramie, Wyoming. Ah, yes. Okay. Yep. Did yes, a nine-month yes, yes. program there. Um, I won't get into the whole story of why I chose Wyoming, but the short version is I just wanted to see a different part of the country, and boy, did I get what I asked for. Mm -hmm. Because you get nine months of winter out there and about two weeks of gorgeous summer, and then some garbage in-between weather for the rest of the, you know, two and a half months of the year, and Mm -hmm. uh, people out there are just insane. They think that's normal. And... uh, yeah, so I somehow survived tech school mm-hmm. in an MR2 in mm-hmm. a very snowy place. Um, hey, snow tires on an MR2 is a killer vehicle. And and funny thing about that, right before I left, I worked at an NTB, National Tire and Battery, yeah. for those who may not have that particular chain near them. Um, somebody came in with a Jeep Liberty that had 16s, those chrome-faced, six-spoke, mm-hmm. 16-inch wheels, same bolt pattern as the MR2. Someone brought those in, and somebody else brought in snow tires, Blizzak takeoffs from their Subaru or something nice. for some 16s that were about the right width. 
And so I mounted these up for free on these wheels for free and then bought wheel spacers and put these horrendous 16-inch chrome six-foot Jeep <laughs> wheels on my MR2. That's awesome. Um, but those snow tires it were what got me difference. through Yeah, not totaling my car yeah. while I was out there in Wyoming. You also went to Wyotech? So I also went to Wyotech. I think for some reason maybe I knew this, but maybe yeah. I forgot. I'm pretty sure we've had this exact conversation lately. Probably, yeah, probably at Hyperfest. Probably at Hyperfest. I uh, the rainy Hyperfest. For which those uh, which campus did you go to? I went to Blairsville. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that was you know that was like prime candidate for me, and a a good buddy of mine from high school went there, which uh-huh. is what got me kind of inspired to when did, go. When, when were you there? Uh, I don't want to get the years wrong. My wife has an incredible memory for years. I'm pretty sure it would have been 08. Yeah, 08. Was what year did you graduate high school? Uh, 05. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I did two years of college, 05, 06, 06, 07. And then I was off until I went to tech school, which started in 08. I started January 09. Okay. Yeah. So that would have been... Yeah. Pretty much right um, after I graduated in Wyoming, you would have gone to I thought Blairsville. about <clears throat> I thought about going to one of the other campuses, but I had family in Pittsburgh, ah. so it was like 45 minutes down the road from you know my grandma and all of my aunts and uncles and stuff like that, so it was a little, uh, a little difficult to go out to Wyoming when I had that available to me, so. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, for me, I considered Blairsville, but I lived out here on the East Coast for my entire life, and I had no connections in any one place or another, and so I was like, ah, screw it. Why not uh, Why not truck all the way out to Wyoming and figure out what the middle part of the country is like? Yeah. And uh, the truth was, cold. Yeah. When, uh, I, when is, I think... Is when what I th- it's like. When I think back on it, I, I probably would have done things differently. Did You did the automotive program? Yeah, I did yeah. Uh, automotive tech for six months, and then I did motorsports chassis fabrication. Yeah, so I did... So chassis fab is what I really wanted to do. Did you do HPE? I did HPE and chassis fab. Okay, yeah. I loved chassis fab. They had amazing. just... They used to do HPE uh, at Laramie, mm-hmm. high-performance engines, um, and they cut that program off. They had, like, an in-between time where they wanted to focus uh campuses or this is what they were telling us they wanted to like focus you know if you wanted this add-on course you go to this campus if you wanted this one you go to this campus and try to like really focus them on a particular discipline or two or three you know because they had um heavy duty diesel they had uh chassis fab they had uh whatever the secondary uh hot rod Whatever um, the one that all the uh, collision refinishing people did, yeah. the hot rod and street. Uh, str- oh my gosh, or, what was it called? It's yeah. Like street fab or something like that. But yeah. it was all about it was all about like metalworking. Like yeah, metalworking metal and pinstriping. Like forming metal panels. And yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. English wheel and Ooh, yeah. uh, hammer and dolly and. I was just not even interested in that at all. That's not uh, even a little bit. It would have been cool to learn, but yeah. I, I didn't. It didn't draw me. It's a either. skill that so few people have now. That it's right. it's not really in demand anymore right. as yeah. much, but for the few people that have the skill, those those few people are highly sought after. Yeah, definitely. Very very niche jobs. If yeah. I if I could do it all over again, I'd go back and do the heavy duty diesel program for the. Is that, I can't remember if that was a six or nine month program, but uh, there was a regular diesel yeah, program a, where they did like 
I'm sorry, yeah, that is the heavy duty, which is the six month, and then yeah. they had a light duty, right, right, three month right. And I, I thought about doing that one too, but um, I by the time I was done with my year, I was ready to get out of there. But um, if I could do it all over again, I'd go back and do the heavy duty diesel and chassis fab and save them <laughs> thousands of dollars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and I was going to say when you said after my year I was done, yeah. I was going to say after my nine months, my. Uh, my college savings fund my parents had <laughs> yeah. was done yeah. for a while, and my student loans were what I felt like I could handle by the time I got out, which was about nine grand. So, yeah, um, yeah I wasn't trying to add on and do a whole lot more time there. I mean, big picture, nine grand in student loans is not that bad. No, it really isn't. Like, no. I, I fully recognize that I'm very fortunate that mm-hmm. after two full years of college where I didn't pay a thing, my parents had college money set aside, and about whatever five of the nine months of tech school were mm-hmm. paid for mm-hmm. and housing was paid for all the way through um i just had to handle what was left of tuition yeah it really was not bad so no, no. um it yeah wasn't, it was, wasn't uh, that bad at all for me either just um and I'd be interested to know, Corey, like what what your takeaway is after tech school because <laughs> I, a lot of people you know i i at least in Wyoming I went to tech with a lot of people who came out going this was a waste of money I don't know why I did this program blah 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 and my opinion was always that you get out of it what you put into it like if you were if you were there because you were going to go to the military or jail otherwise you probably weren't going to get much out of it and you're right. going to whine and complain about the whole thing right. and if you went there to actually like soak up everything you could and take advantage of like knowledgeable instructors and learn some things you didn't know then you would enjoy it and that was more how I came out of it feeling like was I really prepared for a job in the automotive industry not exactly like nobody wants to hire anyone without three years of experience this is the common refrain but you know three years experience but how do you get three years experience if nobody will hire you yet? I will counter that okay well I'm interested to hear what you got but uh <laughs> So I, I had zero interest in cars growing up. Um, my, I knew my dad fixed, fixed our cars. Uh, I knew he used to have some little convertible thing. I had no idea what it was at the time. It was a, a MGB. Nice. Um, and he had, I don't even know what motorcycle he had, just that it got rid of it really quickly when he had kids. But, um. you know, I had zero interest in cars. I had zero interest in, in getting my license. I got it late. Uh, and my first car was a hand-me-down from my uncle, an 88 Nova, which nice. is a Corolla. And it was the hatchback, dark mm-hmm. blue. It was in flawless condition because my uncle was just a just slow little driver. Built in Newey. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it was. As was my Corolla FX, mm-hmm. as are Teslas now. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I had, like, I got the car, learned how to drive stick on it. I was pretty proficient at stick. Um and then one day, uh, there was this girl I was like really into, and she uh, went on like a date or two, and then she was just like, "Yeah, let's just be friends." I got like, I got really pissy, and like, I you know, I was like, oh, "Okay," you know, and I left and I drove down the road, and after that, I was like, "Oh, screw this," and just like, teenage, yeah, yeah no, teenage. <laughs> I started like winding it out, and I think I was like, shoot, I was like seventeen or something. I even like take taking that car from my parents to take her to like the state fair or something like that was like the only time I did something against my parents because I was like 
such a little good boy. And um, but then after that, once I started going to Jay Sarge, like my friend lived off of Riverside Drive, and I would go to see him all the time. And then I just got really into just like wailing the daylights out of that thing on Riverside Drive. Riverside Drive is a road that is down in a pretty nice area of the city. It's like right on the river, but it's like a super, super tight, twisty road that like you can do 25 on that road and have a blast. Yeah, I I went down it last night at about mm, 45 degrees outside, so I didn't want to test my tires too much. And... Uh, my buddy Jacob, who was riding with me, was like, this road is fun. Like, I was doing 30, 35. It's a mountain yeah. road in a city. I and was and a, a long time ago, it used to be, like, in a really bad state of disrepair, too. Like, it used to be, it used yes. to be like, driving on the moon, yeah. but they repaved it about, what, six, seven years ago? And it's, like, nice now. Yeah, no, I did that. I did some pretty much suicidal stuff on that. So I would, I, I got... <laughs> I was on blown shocks and stuff back then, and like I was, I was really dogging that oh, thing. And I got yeah, up to think about like, guys, oh, what are y'all doing? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He's I, looking. I, I could not remember what Riverside Drive was. Oh, oh my god, the one right there. That, yeah, I, I absolutely know this road. Okay, shame on you. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm sorry. You should know. It I feel like I feel like I've only ever called this River Road. Oh. But it's completely Which is, different road. No, yeah, yeah. River, I, I realize that. And there's about 14 river roads around Richmond. Yeah, didn't know that, but um. Yeah, this is a fantastic road. I love yes, Riverside Drive. It's, it's a lot of fun. Good. So yeah, continue. I, I watch out for bikers. Yes, and yes. Oh, yeah, dog, no, I was, dog walkers. And I was only driving this like back when it was like uh, shoot. It was like I was always driving at like two a.m. or something, something absurd. So True. there was no one ever out there. Mm-hmm. Right. But I mean, still, I was probably uh, if I kept it up, I probably would have killed myself. But um, yeah, like after a while, I was like, okay, that was fun. Like I enjoyed it. But then my dad was like, oh, you know, the shocks are the shocks are really worn, and I kept bottoming it out, and I kept telling about the strange. So we swapped out the shocks. He was like, "Wow, these tires are really burning." And I'm sitting there like, "I don't I know how that happened." Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it must be weird. a bad alignment. It's all those um, tofu midnight tofu runs. <laughs> and uh, after I got the shocks, I realized like we, you know, we put I helped them put those on because it was the car I was driving, and I was like, "Wow, like the the handling really changed," and I I just I loved it and um, it's the light bulb. Yeah, that was the light bulb, and then um, and then after that, like. It kind of became necessity because I would hoon the heck out of this poor little like seventy-eight horsepower car, and then like you know break something and have to fix it. And um, after a while, I started reading up on the car, you know, googling this and that, and I found out that there was a um, a counterpart from a. Oh, I took one automotive course because I was just all over the board in in my higher education. Like I went from trying to study business stuff, computer stuff, to psychology, which I eventually got a degree in psychology, but at J. Sarge, I just found out you could get into the automotive courses if you if you signed up for them online, they didn't have it set up so you would get blocked out because it was supposed to be vocational only. So I showed up at these automotive courses and they're like, what are you studying? I was like, psychology. And they're like, why are you here? What? <laughs> uh, but... I enjoyed it. I learned some stuff, and I met a kid named Brian who was like, you know, really obsessed with his little FX car. This little, it was like the two door version of mine, smaller, lighter, but we had the same engine. And then I did some reading and found out that there was the, a twin cam Nova. Um, and I obsessively searched for a twin cam Nova, couldn't find it. And then I discovered, um, through that searching, I discovered <laughs> Initial D. And yes. I started there. I was like, oh my god, an 886. And I yeah. thought that was super cool in the rear wheel drive thing. 
but and saw that he like tackled Swervy Rhodes and like oh oh my god I'm living vicariously through a cartoon character, um, and then one day when I was just searching my you know doing my daily lap on the internet looking for an A E eighty six, there was someone it just said uh, Corolla two door or something and I thought that was I thought that was an A eighty six but I opened up the picture and it looked different it was like the it was the FX like the guy I met at the auto school with. And so I went out to this, it was like in a junkyard and they were, they had it for sale for like $300 or something. And, um, it didn't run, went, took a look at it and found out the guy, the car was from Arizona. It had gotten, the guy had driven it out here and it had broken down. The tow truck driver picked it up and he was just like, apparently the guy was just like, I don't, I don't care about this anymore. Handed the tow truck driver the title, the keys, took a bus back to wherever the heck he was from. Holy crap. And it had been sitting abandoned in this junkyard for some years. So I got out there. I just stuck a battery in the thing. Because we, we bought a battery, brought it with us, started up. And the guy, you know, I was like, oh, crap. Like, we started in front of this guy. Like, he's going to haggle us now. And, you know, we had, we had brought in some cash. But he, he's like, well, you know, if it runs, well, you know, uh, I guess I'll let it go for, I'll, I'll let it go for, for 500 and I was sitting there with like 800 in my pocket. I'm like, oof, mm, you really got me. Okay, I'll, uh, man, I only yeah. brought 300 bucks with me. I'm so sorry. So, yeah, we got that thing, got the thing for 500. And, um, yeah, I, I like started doing all the same work, replacing the shocks, replacing, you know, cleaning stuff up, replaced the alternator, just, uh, or not, didn't replace the alternator, rebuilt it. Um, just replaced the brushes. And, uh, Brought the thing back to life, pulled the tent out, fell in love with the thing, and it was an FX16 GTS. So it had the twin cam motor I wanted. It was the same chassis, so I was familiar with it. Um, and I drew drove the bejesus out of it. And later, um, but I continued my obsessive search for a uh, for rear wheel drive. And eventually, one day when I was on my way home from work, I had heard about 240s. I knew everyone drifted them. Um, but, you know, I never really considered them. Um, you know, I was still obsessively after the, the A86, like everybody was. And then, uh, but yeah, I was driving home and there was just a 240 for sale on the side of the road, uh, just in some, in front of someone's house. And I hadn't seen it online. I just walked up and knocked on the door and they were like, you know. Was it the classic, like, little old lady owning it? No, it was like a, it was like a, it wasn't a little old lady. It was like a 40-something-year-old woman, and um, she, she, they were giving me a whole bunch of nonsense trying to sell it for, like, more than, she was trying to get, like, I think 2800 initially, and I was like, no, no this freaking way. Is, this was also back before S13s exploded. Yeah, before the drift tax? Actually, it was when they had exploded already. Oh, was it really? Yes. Okay. Um, they, but the thing is, they had no internet savvy. Mm. Um, and so they didn't, they sort of didn't know what they had, and they kept having people trying to lowball even lower. I eventually, um... Alright, hold on. So, so, people were lowballing the crap out of them. Yeah, see, people were lowballing the crap out of these people. So, um, I, I was willing to work with them a little bit. Um, also because I knew I was going to be turning all the wrenches on it. I didn't really care about a lot of the stuff. I could haggle them a bit, but still work my way around like a lot of the expenses that they were going to have to be paying, you know, outside people for. And there was some, I think my only competitor was some kid who had like some crazy 
you know, he's trying to convince his dad to buy it or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just paying it straight up cash. Um, mm-hmm. So eventually I got them to let it go for um, for two grand. I think it had like 150 on the clock when I got it. Uh, and Bone stock KA. Bone stock KA. Um, five speed? Was it a five speed yeah. originally? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, no, I wouldn't even swap. That's, That's not hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three thousand dollars later. It's yeah. not. Three thousand dollars later. Um, I think my swap on the Cressida was like I think it cost me all in was like maybe five hundred bucks. Paying somebody else yeah, to do it. Yeah, S thirteen. S thirteen though. Is did you get Did you get stock like clutch hardlines, hydraulics, all that no, stuff? No, I got I got uh, I got the transmission up? and shifter together with a flywheel and a used clutch, which worked. And I put in like a rock auto slave cylinder, and I got a like a kind of universal from uh, excessive manufacturing made like a, a braided stainless clutch line. So I didn't okay. have to run a hard line; I just ran the, the braided stainless straight to the. Did the pedal come with the trans and I stuff? I bought a, a a used AE eighty six clutch pedal assembly from Clay. Okay. Who might actually listen to this or read this because he's deaf. Um, <laughs> But uh, well, yeah. But yeah, so I think all in that. It's hard to read lips on a podcast. It is, you know. Yeah, I okay. might run this through like a, some sort of app that does text to speech. Oh God, I would love to read that. <laughs> well, I wasn't about to do any swap stuff because I had just done the transmission swap out on the Corolla, which I completely left that out. What, we had placed what, what color was this Corolla? Red. Huh. Yeah. It's that. weird. I know somebody with a red. I was going to that GTS. a lot more elegantly yes. later. Well, yeah, well, that's actually. I'm sorry, there was a little too much connection <laughs> yeah, tissue. Yeah, I, I did. I did leave a good chunk out there. So I got this FX16 before the 240, and I, um, my dad and I had stumbled across an autocross event. We had gone to a gun show at um, at the state fairgrounds, and um. So we walked outside and we saw all these cars driving around. We're like, what are they doing? And we discovered this autocross event. So we found out that you could get in pretty easy or whatever. So I wanted to get the Corolla in there and do that. And I think my dad had a pretty good idea that I was driving like a jackass on the road. It's a Corolla. Yeah. So I got into one of those and I think I did like one or two. And then one day, like these creepy people walked up and they were like, hey, you're driving a Corolla. We like Corollas. And then. I made friends with them, and I was sitting beside one of them. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, some stuff happened. Like, I replaced an axle on it, and the axle seal leaked on the Corolla, and then I replaced the transmission. And I was like, I don't want to do, like, heavy work like that. So, um, I try to avoid swap stuff. If I, you know, that's like a last resort thing. But I, I stick with cars for a long time. I don't trade them much. Um, I only lose them if I get in a crash, or which is also rare, but... Lost a Forerunner that way, but that Forerunner story really isn't interesting. The um, I bought a Forerunner, and then a, someone pulled in front of me in a light, and I obliterated their 2015 Nissan Rogue to pieces. Forerunner could drive away, and they gave their insurance company gave me double what I paid for it. So I only go. had it for like four months or something. There you go. It was but, it was actually a pretty rare. It was it was a four cylinder manual two wheel drive forerunner, right? No, it was an auto. Was it an auto? Yeah. I thought it was auto. No, it wasn't manual. I yeah, that would have been nice. No, the the greatest thing that forerunner I loved the most about that forerunner was going to the Goochland Drive in theater and I could back up 
and then sit in the back and then lower the back window and then just sit back there. I like took all the couch cushions and stuffed them in the car. And then I basically had this like big like you know lounge about thing in the back where I could see right out the back window. I don't understand why more cars or more SUVs don't, don't have, have a roll down roll down back window. I, I, was gonna say I think Toyota might have a like a patent, a patent yeah. on it. Yeah, because they even do it in the, um, the some of the Tundras. Yeah, the, the uh, but regular. No one, cat, no one else does it though. Only yeah. the regular. So, I'm when I was a, sure. when I was a, a well, very... besides the Del Slow. Oh yeah. So. It, oh, it's, it's not, not an SUV, but yeah, it is a roll down yeah. back window. Did not know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I was a when I was a very young lad, um, back in probably like ninety three or ninety four, my parents had a uh, Land Rover mm. that had a roll down rear window. Interesting. And I would ride. I, I remember have very clear memories of riding up up the hill in the neighborhood to the neighborhood pool in the back of the. In the back of the Land Rover it was like my favorite the thing in the world. Down. The window down. That's no, awesome. Like that, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, Corolla transmission, something. Yeah, the uh, Corolla. I replaced an axle, and we just weren't thinking. And I'm, you know, we we kind of did everything at home. We were just industrious, and um, we didn't think to replace the axle seal. And I was driving around, and you know, around VCU area, um, and you know. I could just smell gear oil. And then, like, I was like, oh, crap. And I looked under, and I saw gear oil dripping. Mm-hmm. And I tried to get it home, and I could already hear, like, just... Oh, from boy. the transmission. And we were like, you know what? This thing's probably toast. Like, it was just... It was whining way too much after that, even trying to, like, swap out the seal. So, I um, I found a junkyard uh, in... Thorn, off the Thornburg exit, which is yep. like between like Fredericksburg Pick and apart. Richmond. Big yellow building. Is that the one that's up Banks there? Banks Toyota. Oh, okay. Uh, Banks Toyota. Um, and, or no, it wasn't Banks Toyota. No, it was King George Automotive. Oh, yeah. I've ordered parts from them before. Um, yeah, I walked in there and, you know, they they drove me on this like chopped up Ford Bronco without a roof. Yes. And they were like, they pulled up to this like school bus at the front end chopped off and it was like, that's how they stored their stuff. And the guy just like <laughs> goes in there. We grab the transmission or whatever, toss in the back of this like janky junkyard car, and it was light enough that I could like pick it up in my arms and carry it over to the van. Was and, like, it out of another Corolla? It was, was it out a... of a twin cam Nova, oh, which is why okay, I think yeah, the yeah. gears are so crazy long. I think that's why. Huh? Yeah, I really like we the longer we final counted, drive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we counted the rotations, and it matched whatever came out of the Corolla. Really? But at the same time, you know, I don't know. The, that car was really old. Mm-hmm. And so I think maybe it had been replaced once already. You said it was from Arizona? Yeah. So back in the day, they would they would change final drive ratios based on where the car was sold. So if it was sold in a really flat state, you could have really tall gears mm. because they didn't need to do, th- do do stuff like climb hills. But if it was oh. sold somewhere in in the mountain region or something like that, that's possible. They would give a they would give a higher gear ratio or you know a, a better gear yeah. short yeah. shorter gear ratio for for doing stuff like for that. Climbing hills. So yeah. it used to it used to be a thing like um, you know the, the guy that you know drag race guys would like find axles from Mustangs sold in different parts of the state or whatever so that they could get. The, the gear ratio that they wanted huh. back, back before you know I had not heard that I had also not heard that yeah. that's really interesting Wyotech for the win boom that was a story <laughs> I learned there you go. Go. the limited research I've done it 
from what I understand, is on the Corolla, or on with that transmission, the C C fifty and C fifty two transmissions. The only one to get the shorter, more aggressive final drive was the FX sixteen GTS, and nothing else got that final drive. Hmm. So if it's out of any other. Uh, or, or I think the MR2's got it too. But if and if it's out of like a regular FX or FX16 or or a Nova or a Nova Twin Cam, I think they're all the longer ratio. I think. Interesting. I thought the Nova Twin Cam is basically a Celica GT or a Corolla GTS. Well, the Nova, <laughs> the Nova Twin Cam, at least on the paperwork we had, because we had the the hyper manual thing, the the factory manual that had like. You know, you get to the, oh, your cam lobe has a problem. Well, get your lathe out and hook up the <laughs> micrometer. It's like, you know, that kind of that kind of stuff. Not like Hanes where it's just like, oh, throw it away and grab another. Yeah. Um, they, Which, they, realistically, they, most of the time, that's what you yeah. can't do <laughs> yeah. anymore. Oh, yeah, no, they had all the stuff for, like, run out of, like, absurdly, like, just stuff you would never touch as, yeah. like, even, even if you were working at a dealer, yeah, like that's stuff they don't do anymore. No, yeah, no, not at all. It's just it's all just buy buy another one, put buy, it in there, a put a new cam in there, in there, off you go. Yeah, yeah. And I own a Scion now, a Scion yeah. XD that I got after the laughing car. Yeah, which but, is low key, like a pretty interesting. It's actually setup. one of the quickest Scions. Yeah, because huh. it's a it's a Corolla motor and a Yaris chassis. Yep. So it has like a plus one step up motor in the chassis, which is kind of neat. Huh. I was I was behind one of those on an exit ramp the other day in the GTI, and it was like, I, not that I was trying to keep up, like trying to do anything crazy, but like he just started pulling away from me yeah, on, like a, on a clover leaf. Just surprised like, you. I was yeah. like, huh, a driver in a, in a, in a you know in an XD, and like it was like. <laughs> was, was it was it was it blue and, blue and black T-town no it was white yeah. it was white um, the other I was oh. going to say something about that but I forgot oh oh, and, I, and it made me think like I wonder how much they weigh and how like how difficult it would be to just turn one into a race car you know do what George they're has like, done with the FX like, just go through it, strip it, it out strip, strip everything out, out. they're 2600 pounds Really? That's, that's not what are they? Seven twenty six. Uh, are they McPherson strut? Yeah, everything Toyota does is McPherson. Yeah. It's McPherson uh, on the front end, but it's a solid. It's yeah. a uh, torsion, yeah. torsion and I, bar. And I figured that would be the the, See, like the one downfall. You say that? Well, just now here comes the uh, uh, you, defense you of terrible that? suspension design. Yes. Hit me with it. The Fiesta ST is one of the best handling cars in the last ten years. You mean the Fiestest? Yes, the, the, fist. the fist. The, the fist. fist is one of the best handling cars the last ten years, and it has a twist beam rear axle. That's a tall claim, but they're not bad. They're great. They're not bad. They're great. Anyway, low speed, yeah, autocross yeah. stuff. They're pretty legit. Yep. Anywho, sorry. There's no shocks for it though. I've no. tried. There's no shocks for the XD. Like there was a Yaris kit that would fit it that doesn't exist anymore. I, there was Tokiko Blues. As we found on the last podcast, when y'all were researching this, uh, when you and Pierce were researching yeah. this, Fortunato makes Yaris coilovers. Uh-huh. I was just about yeah. to ask, yep. does yeah. Fortunato they have do. something? They, they make, do. They make okay. you have fronts. To, well, they make, no, they make all four, but only the fronts come with uh, camber plates or pillow ball mounts. The rears, you have to reuse the stock upper mount. Oh, they that's, that's, still what, use, that's what Now, are still the right. rears separate spring and shock? No. Okay, they're so not? they're still I strut. I don't think with so. With a torsion bar. 
I mean, that's how the Matrix is. The Matrix okay. is, uh, I, I believe it's coil over, like, it's just a strut on either side. I'm pretty sure. The Matrix is a strut on either side, but is it a solid beam? Yeah. I should know this because I is did your, suspension unless, on my wife's unless, car like three months ago. <laughs> unless it's all-wheel drive. The all-wheel drive makes Yeah, no, it's a, hers is a front-wheel drive. Yeah. So that's... It's just weird it's that just I don't remember, weird. but the other thing the, is I had two people helping me, and so the I sway bar climbed inside the that bag. you get for matrix matrices is just a thing that goes in the middle to make the yeah, twist beam yeah, yeah. stiffer. Yep, and that's how it is on uh, some of the Volkswagens too. The older mm. ones, yeah. Yeah, um, friend of mine had a Mark Four, I mm-hmm. think GTI, yeah. and I remember helping him put a sway bar on that, and I was like. How does this do anything? Yeah. There's a giant beam across the back of this car. Ultra, right? ultra racing, ultra racing also makes like extra exterior bars, so you can get the the middle <laughs> stiffer yeah. sway bar, and then bolt on an additional bar on the outside <laughs> to really stiffen that thing up. And it apparently it's probably too much stiffness for the back. But you just weld a plate over the yeah. so <laughs> drift car, tray yeah. sliding, a lot of lift off oversteer. Yeah. So yeah, I would imagine when when I was in chassis fab at Wired Tech, um, they like one of the like projects that they they. They, uh, what do I want to say, championed, I guess, was like you can, it's really easy to make roll bars for your car. Like, like, uh, anti sway bars. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. For your car, right? So just like, you know, bend up this tube because we have a bender. And it's a great project because you like, you pull out the factory one basically. And it's like, here is a make pattern a yeah. to, for all the bends. And they have a bender, a manual bender, manual, yep. a manual bender in the shop. Um, I have uh, I have blueprints for making one of those yeah. actually. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um so it's like just real easy to like bend it up and then you get it, you know, you get it treated or whatever and coated and then drill through holes in the end and it's fine. Hmm. Well, apparently some guy some did guy. that for his Audi S4, I think or something like that. Just put a big fat rear sway bar in and crashed later that day on the way home. Yeah, no yes. wonder. He it just, made a suspension it was completely yeah. unmanageable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he was just like took an exit ramp, and then the car just zoop and just like spun into a into a garbage and took yeah. the car, and like he almost <laughs> died. Yeah. This whole thing. Oh wait, the dying isn't so funny. Well, he almost. <laughs> he almost. <laughs> yeah. Okay, almost. Then that's then I'm gonna continue my life. Almost <laughs> R.I.P. Yeah, we've already killed Pierce's kids. Oh. Oh. There's no reason to kill this poor guy in his S4 as well. Oh. Try to keep the uh, KD ratio decent oh, on this no. podcast. Oh. Okay, sorry. Continue with your story. I mean, that was pretty much it. Yeah, that was pretty much it. Like, so I got we, the 240 we, we never, still. All right. Do, sorry. So then his Corolla. Well, I was going to say, now that you've told this entire story, how does that relate to having three years' experience in the industry? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, all right, all right. Because I have not forgotten that you cut off my okay. story for that. So when, okay, so I paid my way through college. I didn't take out any loans. Mm-hmm. Um, and... My, my friend was working at a shop then at like <laughs> as a as a gas like as a fuel attendant um, we had a there's a full service gas station on the west end of Richmond it's like the last one although they don't like officially advertise it anymore um, and I got a I got a job up at the gas pumps um, but later they discovered you know as I was working there that I, I knew a decent amount I knew most of you know a lot more than anyone else up front and um one day they just they needed some help and I was willing to take it on um, and I had taken like only one course it was engines and that was it um, and they took a chance on me working down in the shop so 
I got in there and I just started doing like oil changes and tire rotations and mounting and balancing and stuff like that. And from there, um, I, you know, they were like, hey, would you be interested in doing more here? They were like, something you could do to, to learn a lot more is you get a state inspector's license and you can start inspecting cars and then we can have you doing even more work. I was like, sure, like, you know, what do I need to do? And they were like, well, you work here for years, you get the year experience thing and, um, you know, the shop owner will vouch for you and just study the book. The so manual. Yeah. I took the manual, read it. Uh, cover to cover a couple of times and took the test, passed, and then I was working in a shop with literally no experience getting a psychology degree and like, um, yeah, I, I just, most of that was just, it was a very weird shop. I worked with a, um, uh, a homeless alcoholic who lived in a van in the back. Nice. Uh, and well, then he's not homeless. Then, then, the, then one of the other co-workers lived in a school bus that he converted to a living space. That's kind of sick. Yeah, no, that dude's that dude's kind of interesting. Um, sure, he has his almost zero social life, but he lives completely off grid. Has two Honda generators running all his power, and he saves eighty percent of his income. So the man played the game of life and won. Jesus. Yeah. So well, a three years experience. Not necessary. Not Apparently, necessary. if you work yeah. in a shop like that, that will give you a chance. That yeah. is very true. So find you a cool. shop with a homeless man that's working there out of a van and another guy who works in a bus, and they're likely to just bring you on board because whatever. There you go. That's all you got to do. <laughs> and, um, then, and if they told us that at WyoTech, then maybe yeah. we would have been It's a very off, different business plan. <clears throat> when, I, uh, when I got out of school, the prospects were low. It was, uh, mm-hmm. it was late. 08, early 09, the economy had crashed. GM was closing plants left and right. Corey knows what I'm talking about. This was essentially <laughs> nodding very largely. This, this was essentially the worst time to graduate from Where's my hand text school. so I can wave it. Yeah. Preach. Preach. <laughs> so, uh, so I got a job immediately out of school as a GS, just general service tech, at Laramie GM Auto Center. The mm. big GM Chevy dealer. They darn near only sold trucks because Wyoming. Um, and I got got a job there changing oil and uh, doing doing basic tires, oil, all the boring stuff. And that was really all that was kind of open to me in the automotive industry. Um, so and what what really sucks about that is that is the gateway into dealership tech life. But also, to do that, you do not need tech school. You can just right. walk in and do that. Right. And I think having the tech school education may have fast-tracked me. But honestly, by the time I finished tech school and the fact that I had worked in tire shops before and then worked in a dealership service department, albeit like they had a separate quick lube side, yep. which is where I worked. Yep. Um, but working with full-time auto techs, like diagnostics was never something I was that thrilled with. It yeah. was it was and neat to learn. That, the problems that real world customers come in with are not fun to try and solve. It's yeah. like, I have a squeak and you have to find the squeak. And put, shut up, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. and some people do, but uh, that was not for me. The real reason I went was chassis fab. I wanted to learn how to handle a grinder and a welder and TIG weld and that was the stuff that I was 
legitimately like interested in and therefore if they had a straight nine month program in that I would have done that and unfortunately but, even if they did have that there's no market for that really here like it's you, less it's about the kind of thing where you need to go to like California and work in a small like hot rod shop sure and it's stuff. it was really less of I mean yeah I would have loved to show up in a fab shop and do that kind of like build race chassis or something but it was more just that I was fascinated by that kind of thing and wanted those skills like for myself to to go out go forward with that kind of stuff and and have that on hand when I felt like building something for myself I didn't have to start from zero with no knowledge so I, I really enjoyed going. I enjoyed what I learned there, and I felt like it was valuable to me, even if it didn't translate into job experience. Fair. The only job I've had in that side of the automotive world is that job at Laramie GM changing oil since I graduated tech school, which has been almost 10 years now. Right. I did audiovisual work after that. I did all kinds of stuff that was not like working mm. on cars um i never but, got a job working on cars yeah but i still feel like it was valuable yes. and that's part of why i was curious about yeah what what your takeaway was yeah. if you felt like you still enjoyed it it was valuable so or... i i definitely enjoyed it and we'll get to your thing in a second uh, but, um i uh i definitely enjoyed it um and i felt exactly the same way you did like a lot of the people that were there just seemed like they were angry to be there and i didn't really understand because like you're literally paying to be here, so mm-hmm. like, what's what's the issue right now? I don't, I don't know, but um, I, but I I I really I really did like it. Um, I I feel like I didn't know that chassis fab was a thing until I was there, and I was like in in the HPE program, and I I I, I enjoyed that program. I did. Um, I wanted to. My hope and dream was to get out of that school, get out of that program, and go work work for a top fuel team, right? Because that That'd was like their, that was like their thing. It was, they had like an NHRA like affiliation, and they yep. had a team and everything like that. And they they kind of enticed me into that because they gave they gave me tickets to go to a top fuel event, mm-hmm. and I'd heard amazing things about top fuel. I don't, have you ever been to a top fuel event? No, uh, but I, right now I'm picturing you as like you know. The, the the young you know seventeen year old girl has come to Hollywood and yeah like there yeah. so so basically that that's what happened like they I got like once once you were in like once you were they would just give you tickets to these events and like pit passes and everything like that if you could if you could make it there so the closest one or not the closest one but the most convenient like schedule wise one was um, was Bristol. So my friend and I woke up one morning at four in the morning, drove to Bristol, Tennessee, which is an eight hour drive. Yeah. And like nine and a half of those eight hours is on 81 and it's terrible and I hate it. But anyways, um, we drove all the way down to Bristol for this top fuel event and just stayed the day. Like we drove home that night. Uh, but it it was, it was amazing. It was like one of the best road trips I've ever been on. Um, keep telling yourself. But uh, <laughs> but uh, it was just so much fun. We went there, and I mean, I got to I got to go in the Wyotech like pavilion, and like uh, they had you know seating in there, this whole thing, and then we got to watch. Uh, I got to meet uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Force John 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 Force. John Force. Mm-hmm. I got to meet John Force. Um, we got to watch his pit crew tear down an engine. We had like. Like, you can get pretty close if you have pit passes, but we got to be, like, one 
you know, half yeah, step like, closer kind of thing. Right. And wa- really watch them tear down that engine. Uh, and that was just so, it looked like so much fun. And those guys were having such a blast. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to take stuff apart and rebuild it in that, in that hurried, fast-paced environment. Yeah, in like 45 minutes. And yeah, put a car right, back out right. on track. And and just f- to feel that, that literal power, like, vibrating your chest in that motor. Anyways, that's what I really wanted to do. And when I got to Wyotech... Um, it was kind of revealed to me that that industry is is way more who you know than what you know. Yeah. Uh, and you have to be somebody's brother or cousin or anything like that. Because there's like, you know, maybe a hundred of those jobs. Yeah. And they're all, yeah. like, they all have like, you know, 10,000 person waiting lists and stuff like that. So it's like, it's ridiculous, you know. Yeah. And, and so I, I really would have loved to have done that, but... So the, the wool was pulled over my eyes a little bit. Um, and so I went to this HPE program. Um, and I spent a massive amount of time. What I really liked in that in that class was um, I learned how important polished cylinder heads. Mm. And I spent probably 60 hours, 60 man hours of work porting and polishing a cylinder head for a, a Cummins diesel. Huh. Um, and that, that cylinder head weighs about 120 pounds. It's iron, and it's like, you know, yeah. a yard long. It's an, it's enormously heavy and a lot of fun. Um, but the dude, that I, the dude that I was doing that for was in the heavy-duty diesel program, and he was building a, like, 2,000-horsepower truck. So 4,000 foot-pounds. Yeah, 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 right. Like, um, because diesel. Yeah. So I had a lot of interesting characters that I went to school with. Um, that guy was one of them. On the last day of class, he led... This giant coalition of students to burn all of their books in the parking lot of the school, and they had like this massive like bonfire of like everybody just throwing their I don't I don't understand these people but anyways and then he got in his hit not the not the truck that he was building but the truck that he had currently massive you know Dodge truck and just started doing cyclones in the parking lot just four-wheel burnouts and it was it was it was crazy um anyways i didn't know that uh jesse fab was such a great class until i was already there and um somebody's like oh yeah if you like this kind of thing you will love jesse fab and i'll be damned if they weren't right i mean it was it was the best three months of schooling i've ever had it was yep. amazing yep. um I learned so many awesome things there, and I still wish that I got a job being able to use those, you know, yeah. those skills. But um, I agree, and I got gifted with really good instructors in chassis fab in particular. We had one guy who was a former NHRA chassis welder, mm-hmm. and we had one guy who worked for NASA. The nice. space people, not the auto sport people. <laughs> right. Uh, I have to qualify that on a sure. Most sure. people just assume the space people. Yeah. He was legitimately welding stuff for space. Wow. Uh, and he had a tube chassis '68 Mustang that he was working on that was in the shop, and I swear to you, like every fully TIG welded. Um, Every weld on that thing, like, could cure cancer by itself. Yeah. It was just, like, impeccable welding. Yeah. And that dude was just such a such a remarkably good instructor. Um, and really, like, I developed a little bit of a relationship with him outside of class. He lived down in Colorado and commuted in from Port Collins, which was probably 45-minute drive, 45 to an hour from Port Collins up to Laramie. 
And uh, on a weekend, just after school ended, he invited me down to his house to see a, a 1970 Boss 429 Mustang Jesus. that he was working on. Um, like, all original, impeccable, grabber blue, like, a car that I've idolized for years. And um, just having people like that to talk with, to pick their brains, to see what they're working on, like, that kind of stuff was inspiring, for what sure. was the name of the class we couldn't think of earlier? Street Rod? Yes, Street, street rod, rod and Custom Fab. Something I think like that. Something yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. yes, Street so, Rod. So, there it is. A couple pair of interesting stories. Okay, yeah. one of the... Did uh, real quick? Did did the students make a mailbox? Yes, their final. Yes, yes. Okay, yeah. that's glad they didn't hot, change hot the rod painted mailbox. That was your final project. Yeah, um, uh, in street rod, I should say in street rod it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the street rod shop, which shared like a shop with the chassis fab shop, just separated by you know a half wall or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a thirty two Ford Deuce Coupe that they were. They, I say they. One of it was one of the instructors' vehicles. Um, they had three BMW V12 motors mounted to the front of this thing. Three. Wait. Three of them. Yes. Like uh, in a row. No. Uh, two up front and one like off behind. Or, no, I'm sorry. It was one in front and two like behind in like a in like a triangle right doing what okay 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 powering yeah, the yeah, sun yeah, yeah, okay 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 they were not yet connected together okay so that's this, the hard this, part this was yeah obviously uh, yeah so this is this is the very beginning of the of not i don't want to say the very beginning it was a rolling chassis um just you know without a, the rest of the drive With three engines so, sitting um, on it they for some they were um reason. the plan was that they had some sort of they had some sort of plan to connect them with like some sort of weird like fluid coupler that mimicked a, an automatic transmission uh-huh. for the like a torque converter. Sort of, yeah, yeah. Um, to get them all to power one um, one transmission. I don't know how they were gonna like what transmission they were gonna use. Suppose probably you know some super heavy duty crazy race or what I'm speed power glide yeah, maybe I don't know I don't know but but like the whole Jericho transmission it, it was basically it, w- it was never gonna be on the street or anything like that it was gonna be a show car and stuff like that but the idea was they wanted to put as many cylinders as possible or they wanted to have the record for the most cylinders in a 32 Ford. Yeah, so yeah, why not 36? With, with 36, you know, you're, like, yeah. you're, you're, I think you're That'll good. That'll do it. It's like that cracked out multi-rotor, like the 12 rotor. Yeah, that's yeah. right, that's right. But that, so that was just wild to see that just sitting in the shop. Yeah. Um, but one of the other things that I worked on was a, um, gosh, it was, I think it was a Nissan hard body pickup truck with a, uh, the, Three the supercharged three point six liter from the Thunderbird like the supercharged like Thunderbird ah. um, car right and that was my chassis fab instructor's project car. Nice. He was a he was a dirt track racer. Uh, he's a pretty successful dirt track racer in Central Pennsylvania, um, and uh, that was a lot of fun. I went to a race one time with them. That was that was great. So they had like dirt track cars in the shop too, which was really awesome. But. This was his uh, project, his drift project. So he's building this drift truck, right? Nice. And uh, one of the things that I did, I helped him work on that car a lot. And one of the things I did for him was built um, lower control arms, lower rear control arms, like tubular or steel lower control arms for him. Um, nice. And we were putting the whole thing together. 
and uh, we were re- when we were rebuilding that rear suspension, he had a um, he had modified a like rear subframe type thing for for a um, a Ford eight eight transmission or yeah. uh, uh, differential rear. rather, mm-hmm. um, and you know independent rear and everything like that. And uh, I told him when we were putting it together, I said, I kind of, I kind of looked at him. We we're just standing together alone in the corner of the shop. I said, if you do something in this truck that is going to get you kicked out of this school, I want to ride shotgun. <laughs> like when we finally put this thing on the road, I want. And uh, so it, we we kept working on it and kept talking about it and talking about it, and and it never. Never made it out of the shop while I was there, uh, which is super frustrating. Uh, but I was only there for three months, so yeah. you know what are you gonna do? I wish I could have stayed on uh, and helped him finish that. But that was um, that was a lot of fun. We had um, just had a lot of really interesting vehicles in that shop. Yeah, uh, I uh, there was a dude in my chassis fab class who actually, um, if y'all remember the TV show Overhauling. Yes. Uh, with Chip Foose. They had a, an episode where they invited three... They had a partnership with Wyotech, and they invited, I think, three of Wyotech's top students from across the country yeah. to come and be on a mm-hmm. team and help build one of the cars on overhaul. And, and this dude, Rusty McClintock, who was in my chassis fab class, uh, was selected as one of those three dudes, and so he got to go out and be on an episode of the show, but... Um, a name for it. Yeah. yeah. He does, doesn't he? Uh, red hair, he's probably six foot two, super cool dude. Um, he was, he's one of the people, and this is one of the things I found about Wyotech, was the kids who came there at like age 18, straight out of high school, had no motivation and no interest in being there. The people who were 20, 21, he was probably 25, 26 at the time, had gone to welding school before that. Like, those were the people that got way yeah. more out of school because yeah. you'd been through some stuff, you'd, you'd had jobs, you were there because you were interested now. Like, you'd... I was not that person. <laughs> okay. Well, for me, I mean, I was kind of on the leading end of that. Like, I did two years of college. I knew that straight up, like, classroom college was not really where I wanted to be, and I wanted to be hands-on and doing something I was interested in. So I had more motivation to get more out of it. But uh, Rusty had a truck. Uh, I want to say it was probably a 40s Chevy frame just the frame at the time he did have the body for the truck mm-hmm. and he was just doing all kinds of like gorgeous um not yeah c notch not a step notch yeah. but c notch was he's real into like lowered stuff yeah. lowered cars lowered trucks like and he just was building this gorgeous chassis for this truck and i've always I, i'm friends with him on facebook now and i keep waiting for him to finally like post up the day that he gets his truck done apparently it's still a work in progress Mm -hmm. but that's one of those things where i was like every time i had a moment to stop what i was doing when i got to final project time which um i want to know what your final project was mine was a built from scratch roll bar for my sw20 my mr2 the car that i took out there from school so i actually measured pattern bent up a main hoop with those same manual tubing vendors you were talking about um measured all the little kickers it was uh 
technically a six point, I guess, because the main hoop attached to the rocker boxes back right before the firewall. And then it had two kickers at harness bar height, single diagonal, and two kickers up from the top down onto that sort of back shelf just inside the rear windows. Um, so I built that as my final project, but every minute I had to stop what I was doing and go see what Rusty was doing. Yeah. And again, because he went to welding school beforehand, like he was good at TIG welding before we started learning in Chassis Fab. I literally picked up a TIG welder for the first time in that class. So uh, he, he could weld brilliantly and was just doing all this fantastic custom work. So it was always neat to see like the different projects people had in, for sure. I, I don't... I don't know that I specifically remember my final project, except for the fact that I remember that I didn't have any money to spend on my final project. On materials? On materials. Oh, my parents funded the the two 10-foot sticks of yeah. uh, mild steel yeah. DOM tubing that I used to build mine. Yeah. So, I, yeah I, I really, I I, what I wanted to build was a go-kart chassis. Mm. Um, and they had plans for a go-kart chassis, but it was like... It was like... Um, uh, you know, an American Express style. Like, I, I don't know how familiar you guys are with go karts. It was like every you know every go kart you've ever seen that has a five horse Briggs you know on the back. It was like that, just like square, yeah, kind of super basic, super basic. You know, you know had five eighth bolts welded onto pinions for the for the front axles and stuff like that. It was yeah. like, and it was um, going to be one wheel drive and all this and like. Um, and it would it would ended and it would have ended up being like two hundred fifty dollars in steel or something like that just because of all the different sizes and stuff like yeah. that. And I was like, ah, this isn't what I want. And um, so what I what I really wanted was, and I was trying to find those plans for a shifter cart. Yeah, was a, a shifter cart frame. I put whatever engine on it. You know. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot less about I knew a lot less about go karts then than I do now, um, but. That's what I really, really wanted. And nobody had plans. Like, you couldn't find plans for anything like that. Yeah. And it would have been way simpler. It probably would have been less material and, and more intricate because it's all, it's a lot of it's bent and, you know, especially. Sure. You know, but, the, and then, but so, the, one of the things that they, I learned in that class was when you're building a project from the ground up, especially if you're going to modify a frame or something like that, the place to start is with the wheels. You always start with the wheels because that sets your ride height, right? For That's the reference point for literally everything is the center point of the wheels, right? Mm. And so my instructor was like, okay, you want to build this go-kart? Like, we'll, we'll work on it. We'll work with you, but you need to go find the wheels that you want. Well, the wheels that I wanted are, you know, race go-kart wheels, which I don't know if you are aware of this, but cost about as much as car wheels and tires do. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. They're really, really expensive. Like, like magnesium or something? You, you can buy magnesium ones, but even aluminum ones are like... Uh, I, they're like $120 a wheel and stuff Jeez. like that. It's like I, I don't have any money for anything, let yeah. alone, you know... Five hundred dollars for go kart wheels and tires. You yeah, know what I mean? just before you even buy the steel to yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. To so, go with the wheels. So that that kind of fell apart. Um, I but I remember a lot of the things I bought. I spent a lot of time on the lathe and mill there. See, and I was about to say that's one of the things that I regret not getting out of mm -hmm. chassis fab. Mm -hmm. Lathe and mill stuff was like classroom taught. Um, you learned the basics, you understood, but like. Practical application all came down to what you chose for your final project, essentially. Right. Because in an accelerated three-month program, there's only so much time to get hands-on with every machine. Like, they'd walk you out there, they'd teach you, this wheel does this, this wheel does that, set your table height, etc. But, like, 
Beyond that, actually using the lathe or the mill was only if your final project, at which was pretty wide open for you to choose, uh, involved it. And so building a roll bar was welding steel plates to the car, bending yeah. tubing, notching you know, tubing notching or... tube, hand notching and fish mouthing and fitting tubing up and then welding. I did nothing with the lathe or the mill. And that's something I regret. Coming out of school with like no practical hands-on lathe or mill experience. If, yeah. I, if I wanted to learn those things now, I'd be starting from zero. Yeah, yeah. And that was an opportunity at least. But if you picked a final project that was mostly lathe and mill work, you get no more like learning how to bend tubing or fish mouth stuff or right, like right. besides what was required for your comps. I think what actually counted as my final project was I helped a guy uh, box a truck frame. Okay. So I, I, we, you know, cutting plates of steel to follow a pattern and then just welding it in. Right. Um, but we did, we did so much cool stuff in that class. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Yeah. Um, it was awesome. I wish it, it had been the six month program at we, school because I would have done six or nine or a year of just that. We had this guy, and just the way the, the school structure worked, like most of the people that I was with, I was with from day one until I graduated. Um, I, there, well, I, I take that back. Through the through the first special three month specialty class, I was with all the same people, and then when I got to Jesse Fab, it was kind of mixed up a little bit more, and there were like six or seven of us, I think, that were uh, from orig- original from day one all together, and we had this great picture of oh, it was all super dirty in the nasty Jesse Fab class because it was not a clean place to work. Oh yeah, um, to to this day, the smell, the distinct smell of like metal dust yeah, is yeah. takes me straight back and welding gas yeah, yeah, and yeah, takes yeah. me straight back to Jazzy Fab. So we had we had a bunch of people in that class and one of the guys um, he was in the same program but just we just never I never saw him. He was in he was on the other side of the school or like you know we flipped classes and I, I never met him before this really cool guy. He actually worked for a rally team. I don't know how he got into that, but somewhere in the Northeast, uh, that's where all rallying is. Yeah, yeah. Just, I was gonna say maybe got, just regional. He got connected with some team, and I mean, he had like Subaru racing shoes that he just wore. Uh, he had, um, he he. I remember one day he, we had a whiteboard in the front of the class, and uh, for lunch, he basically got up and lectured about all of the. Um, all of the turn types and like drew out like the symbols that they draw for all the turns and everything like that and explained what they all meant for like the pace modes yeah yeah nice. yeah it was it was really cool um well he got he got a car like it, somehow from one of his teammates or whatever from you know ex race car from the team or parts car or whatever he got a uh, 2.5 RS Oh, oh yeah, sweet Jesus! <laughs> I know, I know. Which that car is so near and dear to me mm-hmm. on a level which I'm not sure either of you are aware of, um, except for Jordan. Um, but he got that car and he brought it to, to class, and I just went absolutely bananas for this car. And in the chassis Feb class, um, we were trying to figure out what to do with it, and he wanted to turn it into a rallycross car, and 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 to drive on the street and stuff like that, and so. Um, we did a couple of things, a couple of little things here and there. Uh, I think we built sway bars for it and stuff like that. But then he went out and bought, um, oh man, some sort of like landscaping, like plastic, corrugated plastic sheeting. And we, uh, we built undercarriage, undercarriage protection for the entire thing. So we like put this plastic sheeting up to protect the entire uh the entire undercarriage and like yeah. had to like cut various i mean it's all plastic but it doesn't you know it doesn't matter so 
putting all sorts of making all sorts of shapes to protect the underside of the car. Apparently, it worked. Protects it all from gravel and you know protect all the fuel lines and everything like that. It was it was pretty sweet. But I'm super jealous of that dude. Yeah, I think his name was Dylan. I can't remember. What's the name of that? That sounds like it would be GC chassis. GC. 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 A dude in my dude in my neighborhood in high school had one of those. And uh, I didn't know there were really actually, a thing about cars, but every time it went by, I was like, that thing's cool. There were actually a couple people in at my school, at Wat Biotech, that had those cars. It was one or two. I mean, it was the middle. Uh, super, Pennsylvania is super country, so it's like... Yeah. I know a guy with an automatic... Two or four-door? Two. Two-door? Okay. I'm pretty sure. Well, I mean, it's whatever you, you have do, Corey's interest. The, the, um, you're going to do a full drivetrain swap on it anyway with that car. He's considering selling it. And I let him know to let me know because I just consider. So I'll keep I'll you in mind. I know. In my mind, I just remembered that you were like yeah. into that. And I, I figured yeah. there'd be somebody. But I, ha- I have coveted that car since I like was about to get my driver's license. Yeah, I, I was gonna say, I since you were first into cars. Yeah. I can't remember his name because I was. It was New Year's party this year. I was super wasted. I literally met everyone that night of mm-hmm. the house I was moving into, and yeah, like track him down. Yeah, for do real. it now. I know <laughs> that they had nieces and nephews that they didn't like because they called them germ bags. That's not inaccurate. I, I have a six-year-old child. The ch- children are germ bags. That's, my wife works with first graders all day. My daughter's in first grade. <laughs> it's just little petri dishes. That's yep. all they are. <clears throat> yep, they are for sure. 